day you shall know I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not to the world? Jesus added and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Welcome once again to the Unchanging Word broadcast. We are in John chapter 14, beginning at verse 20. Jesus is continuing to give instruction to his disciples concerning the one who loves him and the response of love for the Savior. In this passage, the other Judas, not Iscariot, asks Jesus the fourth question about how the Lord will manifest himself to the disciples and not to the world. Well, Jesus' answer has to do with keeping his word. Jesus also discloses that the Holy Spirit of God, the Helper, will aid the believer in keeping his word. He will do this both by teaching and bringing to remembrance the very words of Christ himself. Dr. Mitchell will go on into detail on how we can please the Lord and continue in the word of God so as to be led by God. I'll turn with us to John chapter 14, verse 20, with Dr. Mitchell. Good day, friends. We again come to you, and we are in the 14th chapter of the Gospel to John. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, or you've missed some of these lessons, may I say that we are studying together at chapters 13 through 17 of John at the present time. We've already gone through the first 12 chapters of John, and now we come to the Lord teaching his disciples. In chapter 13, he was teaching the advocacy of Christ, and then he spoke of the fact that the crucifixion uh, was primarily for the glory of his Father, and then the new commandment that he would give us. And then starting in at verse 36 of chapter 13 and running through chapter 14, we have four great questions and answers. The first question was, Lord, where are you going? And he told him he was going home. 
but he would come again. The separation would be temporary. The second question was uh, by Thomas. We don't know the destination. We don't know where home is. Then how can we know the way? And that memorable answer of our Savior, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And that brought forth the third question, show us the Father. And I think that Philip expected to see someone beside the Lord Jesus. And his answer was, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And we're dealing with the answer to that question, show us the Father. And we have found in from verse 9 right on down through verse 20 some amazing things about the instructions of our Savior concerning the believer in his relationship to the Lord, as well as the Lord comforting and instructing his disciples. And I'm sure that we need the same instruction. The great cry of so many hearts is, where can I find him? Where can I find God? So that I can have fellowship with him, so I can be related to him, so that I can know him. Jesus said to Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. How was the Father made known to the Son? By his words and by his works. As you have in verse 10, 11, Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Then he points out that not only is the revelation of God made known in through his Son, but the revelation of God has been made known through, through his children, through his, those who put their trust in him. So in verse 12, he informs us, every one of us, not just a few, but every one of us who put our trust in the Savior, we do his works and greater works than these shall he do because he was going to the Father. When men looked for God in our Savior's day, they found him in Christ. When they saw the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, they saw what God was like. My friend, I want this to be very, very clear. All you know of God is what you know of Jesus Christ. And just what you know of him is what you know of God. How much do you know? I raise that question. How much do you know? And if you're a believer in the Savior and you belong to him, you're a child of God, how much of the Father are you revealing? But you say, Mr. Mitchell, I'm very, very, very weak. Uh, that may be true. But you notice in verses 13 and 14, he gives to you his resources in prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, I'm repeating what I've been saying in the last two messages. I want this very, very clear in your mind. The resources that our Savior had was to be alone with his Father and spend time with his Father. Before every great event, in fact, of our Savior's life among men, he spent time with his Father so that he was always working and walking and ministering perfectly, completely, absolutely in the Father's will. And if men want to see God today, they must see him in you and in me. So he gives us his resources. And not only so, but he also informs us in verses 16, 17, 18, that the Spirit of God would come to indwell us. You remember the Spirit of God was upon our Savior without measure. You found that in John chapter 3. 
The moment a person accepts a Savior, he becomes a sanctuary of God. His body becomes a temple of the Spirit of God. You find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, when Paul said to the church of his day, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies and in your spirits, which are God's. So he gives to us the indwelling spirit for the purpose of the revelation of God through you and through me. Not only so, but he goes on in verses 19 and 20 and declares that the life we have is resurrection life. Because I live, you shall live also. And not only so, in that day when the Spirit of God indwells you, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And I can't find words to express this amazing fact of the, of the tremendous union there is the perfect union between the believer and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that God does. You may not feel it. You may not even experience it. But you're joined to him in an indissoluble union. The same union between the Father and the Son is the same union between the believer and Christ. Listen to it in verse 20. In that day, that is the day when the Spirit of God will indwell you. You shall know I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So you see, if you follow it through, and I'm doing it again, I'm repeating this, the Father is made known through the Son by his words and by his works. The Father is made known through you and me, who are believers in Christ, by our words and by our works. He gives us his resources in prayer. He indwells us by the Spirit of God, and he gives us a life that's eternal, and he brings us into a union with himself. My friend, what more do you need? You see, the Christian life is a supernatural life. I can't reveal God. You can't reveal God. But the Spirit of God who indwells us as we yield ourselves to him then our actions, our words, our attitudes ought to be the revelation of God to this poor old world. Now, he's not through yet. One more thing in verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, the last thing on this one and the answer of show us the Father. How can I know God? I can't reveal him unless I know him. So in verse 20, 21, he says, All right, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and we will come. I will love him. We will manifest. You see, the, the, the manifestation of God is to the obedient believer. The measurement of my love for Christ is my obedience to his word. Make it this very clear in your mind. It's very wonderful to know. You'd have it in verse, in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the law of Moses. He has just said in chapter 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. If I were to change the word and say, 
he that hath my commandments, he that hath my word. You go down to verse verse 23 where he repeats it. Uh, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Now in verse 21, the revelation of the Father is to obedient hearts. Obedient hearts. An obedient heart is the measure. It's the heart that loves the Savior. Or bring it another way, the measure of my love for Christ is my obedience to his word. Now that was true in the life of our Savior. For example, take the last verse of this chapter. That the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. How does the world know that Jesus loved his Father? By our Lord's obedience to the word of his Father. How do I know that you love the Savior? By your obedience to the word of God. See, friend, it's not, uh, it's not doctrine. It's not some, some aspect of truth. It's love manifested by obedience. So when a person says, I love the Savior, he'll manifest it by his obedience to the Word. But the trouble is this. God's people don't read the Word of God very much. How can I know the will of God? Unless I read his word. You see, it's an amazing thing, this. You take this question of the word of God and obedience in this passage, 15, 21, 23. Same thing in John 8, uh, 31, 32. Same thing in chapter 12. All the way through, you have this question of the word of God. Our Lord's words were his Father's words. He expects us, if we love him, to be obedient. And because you have the perfect revelation of God in Christ, it was because of his complete, absolute obedience to his Father. And the Lord is manifested in you and me as we obey his word. And the measure of my love is my obedience to his word. Now let's go down to the next question. The fourth question. Now remember he has just said in verse 21, I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Uh, the question is raised now in verse 22. Judas said to him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not to the world? Now you notice in verse 21, uh, the man, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. And again, I repeat the statement. The Lord reveals himself to obedient hearts. Why is there so much ignorance of the living God today, even among his own people? Because they're ignorant of his word. And not being ignorant, they do not know what to obey. The more I see the word of God, the more I live in the word of God, the more I realize the place of obedience this is the most important thing in a Christian's life. You can't be a disciple of the Savior without obedience. Oh, but you see, I love the Lord. Yes, I'm not denying that. But you'll manifest your love by obedience. The measure of your love is obedience. Now let's look at verse 22. Out of this comes this question. How can you show yourself to us and not to the world? Now how are you going to do that? So the next verse brings it out. 
Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. Did you notice that not only is the measure of our love by obedience to his word, but it brings two things. In verse 21, it brings the revelation of Christ to our own hearts. In verse 23, it brings intimacy of fellowship. I would like to say this very frankly. The Lord will not reveal himself except to open hearts, to obedient hearts. I say this very frankly. God does not throw his truth around to any Tom, Dick, or Harry. He always is willing to reveal himself to obedient hearts. And obedient is the measure of my love for him. It's very, he's very explicit in this. In verse 21, the revelation of himself to an obedient heart. Verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So the very first thing is, is fellowship. You see, love and obedience go together in the believer. The test of true love is what? Obedience. And uh, this brings a revelation of God to the believer, and it brings a special place of intimacy, of fellowship. I don't know how else to put it. You see, in 1 John chapter 1, the third verse, this was the desire of John's heart when he said, uh, he speaks again of writing unto us that we may know the Lord himself. And he goes on to say, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm writing to you that you might have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. To me, it's an amazing thing that we believers can come right into the very heart of God and have intimate fellowship with him. So when Judas asks the question, not Judas Iscariot, how are you going to show yourself to us and not to the world? The answer is very simple. If a man loves me, he will keep my word. Intimate fellowship. Shall I put it this way? the intimate fellowship of the believer with God himself through Jesus Christ is the evidence that we'll see him, something the world can't see, the world doesn't know. As 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Wonderful thing to know that obedience to the Word of God brings revelation of His person and the intimacy of His fellowship. Verses 21 and 23. Now, mark the question. How can you show yourself to us and not to the world? By intimate fellowship. The second one. Verse 26. Well, allow me to read 24, which is a negative statement. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. The man who doesn't love the Lord, of course, doesn't obey him. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and will bring all things to your remembrance, 
whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, the first revelation, or should I say the first evidence of how can you show yourself to us and not to the world is by intimate fellowship. The believer has fellowship with God. The unbeliever doesn't know a thing about it. Second thing is uh, the giving of the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God. And you notice the two things in the verse, the Spirit of God, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Spirit of God has come to teach us. If I want to know anything at all, I must go to the Word of God. But you say, Mr. Mitchell, I read it and I get nothing out of it. The Spirit of God, if you are a real believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is in you to teach you. Now, time would fail me to go into all the ramifications of this, but you remember, if I may remind you of something, in the first epistle of John, chapter 2, you remember he has something to say to the fathers, then he has something to say to the young men, starting in verse 12, by the way, of that passage, and running through verse 28, he talks to the fathers, then he talks to the young men who are in conflict, and they've got a new enemy, the world. And then he talks from verse 18 on about the babies, the inexperienced ones. And there's no talk there, there's no instruction on, on doctrine or on walk, except to warn them concerning false teachers, the spirit of Antichrist, false teachers who would come and detract them from the person of Christ. It's very obvious uh, that, that so many of God's people have been led away by false teachers and by false isms and false doctrine. Now, the Spirit of God has come to indwell every believer, and one of the purposes of the Spirit of God is to teach us the things of God. Now, as you read the Word of God and ask the Spirit of God to make it clear to you, He will teach you. Or if I were to come to chapter 16, he will, he will teach you according to your capacity to receive. You remember our Lord said, there are many things I would like to talk to you about, but you can't bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. See, he's here for this purpose. How can I please the Lord? How can I be obedient to his word? If I don't stay in the word. But you say, sir, I read it and read it and I get nothing out of it. Why don't you ask the Spirit of God, if you're a real believer, to teach you, to lead you into all truth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, comparing Scripture with Scripture. I want to tell you, my friend, I don't care who you are. You say, well, Mr. Mitchell, I don't have much education. That doesn't even enter into the picture. You can be led of the Spirit of God. Some of the most wonderful truths I ever learned, I learned at the feet of men upon the prairies of Canada who hadn't even gone through grade school. But believe me, my friend, they knew God. And they lived in the Word of God. I'm glad the Lord made me, or caused me to realize my privilege of sitting at their feet and hearing them talk about the Savior whom they loved. They may not have put it out in uh, academic language, that's true. But friend, they knew God, and they knew the truth of God, and they obeyed God. You can do that. The Spirit of God has come to lead you, to guide you, to 
teach you. And if you have an open heart and an open mind, I tell you, my friend, he will bring all things to your remembrance. He will, he will cause you to know the truth as it is in Christ. Please spend time in the Word of God. I'm appealing to those of you who are Christians today. Stay in the Word of God. If you want to know what kind of a Savior you have, you find it in the Word of God. And the Spirit of God will reveal Him to your heart and to your mind. Now may the Lord bless you today for His name's sake. to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.